I am unashamed. What about you? So last week I did the, um, I caught the Arkansas two-step days while you were in uh, Greece. We spoke in El Dorado, Arkansas. Yeah, uh, how'd that go? Well, it was really interesting, Dad, because, you know, we, as you come out and turn there on 167, go north into El Dorado, we were literally only about probably five miles from kind of the epicenter of when our family was the, the worst place we've ever been, you know, right there next to that bar. So I, instead of taking a left going that way, I take a right and I go and speak. And it was interesting because I, I mentioned at the beginning, I said, no, because I was talking about our family. And I said, you know, dad, he was, he was kind of a renegade up here back in the day. I said, but he told me to give y'all a message. He changed. <laughs> and everybody laughed, you know, but afterwards I met some people that, you know, were probably your age. And so they were like, oh yeah, we, re- we remember your dad. <laughs> we remember him back in the Isn't day. Isn't that ironic? When you look at big picture, you know, it's, it's almost like a movie. You Start off in a We actually might make a movie about it. Where the bar is and just chaos and bad parenting or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> bad decision making. <laughs> and then you fast forward however many years, 40 years, and there you are speaking Jesus. Right. Just down the road. Well, right. and what's interesting, I, I have two pictures that I show. I think I mentioned this before. And it's really such a great contrast. It works so well with an audience because... I show a picture of the last night we filmed the show and it's in Willie's living room, you know, the Taj Mahal of Arkansas road up there. So it's big stately. And then there's four generations represented in the picture. Cause you know, all the way down to my grandkids and you're, you and mom are there and it's, you know, very matriarch patriarch. And so you look at that picture and I love showing it. Cause I'm like, this is what America said. We love this family. This is what we love about this family. You know, four generations. And I go through all the positives and then I pop in a picture that was, it looked like it was at the junction city house. Jace is about, he's not even, he's a baby. I'm about five and mom is pregnant with Willie. You can tell she has a maternity typo. You don't have a beard, you know, or a shirt on. You just, you know, and I show that, picture and I was and I always make the contrast I say see, you see what happens in 1972 there's no way this family could have ever imagined that other group because you're just trying to survive you're trying to make a living you're you know day-to-day decisions they're not based on God so you never know where we're going but I always tell an audience that because there's people sitting out there that are in some ways like that 72 family so yep. you know they can't imagine what God can do with a group of people and so you're right, Jace. It's, it's pretty amazing when well, you, you think about remember it. remember, too, you know, when we studied the parable of the sower, most of the times we do what we did, which was you look at the four different hearts. But I believe it's also a meaning of a process. I mean, sometimes you are the in your life the four different hearts at stages along in your life. I that's mean, good point. At, at some point, that's what I realized in Greece when I shared Jesus what I didn't realize was that when they heard our story, because I basically wove the introduction of Jesus through our our story, our family, and you weren't a Christian in the bar. And, well, one of the guys uh, through the translator after I was finished, he said, well, I didn't realize you were, you were a refugee too. And I thought to myself, you know what? Hmm. Before Jesus, we're all refugees. That's right. Good point. And, and We're running so, from something. Because that's why, you know, they said we felt like we connected. I was like, well, in a way, we all connect. We are. I mean, all the verses that says God is my refuge. And so I think you even see that, you know, in what we're going to talk about today in the disciples' hearts, because they had trouble believing Jesus as the Son of but God. But I had not thought about that idea of sort of graduating through those those different hearts in, in Matthew 13. Tell the story that you were telling us before we came on about the guy Blake was telling you about. Because you think about that guy probably went through every one of those hearts before now he's got to this point. Well, I mean, what's interesting is I think when you leave America for any amount of time and you go to, it wasn't a third world country, but it had third world country tendencies. You just appreciate everything so much when you get back. I mean, when we landed and Missy and I was driving because it's a long, it's a long trip home. Yeah. I mean, it's a long trip there. But I said, you know, I never noticed how clean 
this town is. <laughs> it looks so pristine. I've always thought, well, we live in a dirty town too with trash. And compared to where we were, <laughs> this place is pristine. <laughs> it just was a shock. I thought, I'm going to quit griping about this. Yeah. I mean, we're, but also, I mean, it's like, it's all the things that uh, that you appreciate about coming back to America. Because I was like, I cannot wait till I meet with the brothers on Sunday. I, I just wanted to be around English speaking people. But also, when we got home, that my Yeti ice chest was in front of my front door, and I thought, I know what that is. And she's like, Why would somebody take your ice? I said, Babe, I know what that is, because one of Jay's buddies who we duck hunt with, who helps us on the the land, I told him, I was like, look, I, mean, I told him this a few weeks ago. I said, you are free to deer hunt my stand anytime you want to. And, but here are the rules. If you kill a big buck, if you see a big buck, shoot him. Send me a picture. If you shoot a big doe, tag it, and I don't want to, I don't care. I said, but if you see a, a young deer, I want you to shoot that deer. <laughs> Clean it. And then Put it. I haven't. I told him where my Yeti ice chest was. I said I want the two hindquarters. You keep the back straps. Is this Nurse Man? Yeah, yeah. He I was on the podcast in your absence. Yeah, I told Nurse Man. <laughs> okay, well they know who. Yeah, they is. know who he is. I said, and I want that in front of my front door on ice. And that's all we. That was the arrangement. So when I pulled up, I saw that ice chest. And I thought, okay, <laughs> okay. It was like somebody ran a flag up at your house like you knew what it was. I mean, was. you got to realize, other than one big fish in Greek, I, in Greece, I have not eaten a meal that I consider decent. And so Missy and I, we ate an entire hindquarter of deer in one night I, I had a couple of pieces of toast just to help it get the deer down <laughs> it was awesome so anyway to tell you the story about blake so then we met and at sunday and it was just it was it was awesome and you did a i thought your sermon was great we gave you a lot of good ideas from the podcast like, nobody did. knows that, right but uh that's where we get some of my best stuff and i was at the contemporary service well ryan who leads that he was with us from one kingdom and uh but after when i was walking out the first guy i ever brought to the lord uh, a guy named blake he was there and he saw me there and he's like i'm glad i run, ran into you and he said because you're not gonna believe this and he mentioned two names that we had shared jesus with 28 years ago and he said they the one of them they were their friends he said reached out to me and said that they want to they want to study again and i was like are you serious? <laughs> he said 28 years wow. later. He said he's actually been leading a Bible study. I said, well, how's he leading a Bible study if he's not a believer yet? He said, well, that's the thing. He said he's been going by what we told him 28 years ago, but that's he's at amazing. a stage in his life where he's now believing actually this is true, which made me made me realize, look, a lot of people, you know, where's that that says even the demons believe uh, James? Yep. A lot of people believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in Jesus to a point to where they want to change their life. Yeah. And that that's going on. It's like Missy said, the last podcast, you know, especially in, in the ministry we saw over there, people will embrace Jesus just as a compartment of their life, kind of like an insurance yep. policy. Yep. Right? <clears throat> yep. So I'm excited about that. And that was that third heart in the parable of the sower was the cares of the world, wealth. <clears throat> Jesus just becomes a slot in, amongst everything else. But we know from the parable, Jesus said, that's not, I'm not to be slotted. I mean, right. I'm either king or I'm not king. I was there, gonna, but there is a process. I do believe that I've, I've had signs Yeah, I hadn't these... thought about that, too. I mean, I preached that yesterday, and you said that, and you know, I kind of compartmentalized the hearts, but I never thought about a person could actually... Because when he mentioned this guy, I thought he was a guy that heard it almost 30 years ago, but it didn't penetrate in the moment. Oh, he was the first heart. Well, the third, right. the well, third but, heart. But now <laughs> he's like number three, but wanting to be number Exa four. Exactly. So he went probably through a process to yeah, get The there. third heart is the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth. Yeah. They make him unfruitful. Right. And they, and they, they, but it doesn't say what happened to him. It just says they're, 
Right. They're, they're not bearing fruit. Right. Yeah. They're not where you want to be. That's right. They're not committed. But the other two, with- one didn't get it. <clears throat> the second one didn't understand it or and said, well, yeah, that's it. They quickly fall away. But the third one was just hanging there. Well, I thought it was really neat, Jason. So you were in the other service. You, you probably didn't get a chance to see this. At the end of the, the our other service, we had a baptism yesterday, and I closed our sermon, Dad. I went back because I was covering a lot of texts. It was the whole thing from Matthew 11 to 13. Yeah, so I, was I had wondering to, why you were doing all that. Well, because we're just we're trying to finish by the end of the year, so we, oh, you know, what I'm saying we just can only deal with so much. And I'm leading up to Dad. Dad's going to preach in. Uh, by the way, <coughs> the podcast audience, Dad's going to preach at WFR, not this Sunday, but next on November seventh. So you can check that out on our live stream. It's going to be great. But I closed Dad with this. It was such a weird text. It was right there in Matthew, the end of Matthew 11, where he does the thing about "Come to me, you are weary and burdened." And I'll give you rest. You know, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And it was right in the middle of all this opposition. It was kind of an interesting text. And so I wanted to read this text to you, Jace, that Lulu, who's our cousin, uh, she listens to the podcast, and she was there yesterday. And she said, I loved your sermon yesterday. I enjoyed the sweet fellow dropping all his burdens at his baptism yesterday. The relief on his face was priceless. And I knew just what she meant. There was a guy who was baptized at the end, and uh, he, uh, it was a black guy, and he, he was just, you know, he was in the moment. He was so serene. And Paul was, Stevens was baptized him. He was kind of, you know, going through the gospel with him. And when he came up out of the water, he just took a big, deep breath. And he just, whew, I mean, just exhale. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've seen people do a lot of different things, but I've never seen that. Of course, it's up on that big new screen we have. And I mean, it was just, it was, and everybody like clapped and laughed because it was like, Woo! Yeah. You know, I mean, it oh, was just top five responses. I've ever oh, heard. that was fantastic! I've seen people you know lift their hands and yeah. shout, but I've never seen much. Woo! I mean, he just <clears throat> took Dan this. showed me one other other day. He did a little clip. The preacher was standing in the water, and he said, "I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit." There was about an eight year old kid that was standing there that the preacher was talking to. He's, and as soon as he said, I'm going to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the the, the kid, the eight-year-old, said, I'll do it. And without him even touching him, he just held his nose and <laughs> went down and come back up. He just the, did it himself. He and the preacher, preacher said, I think that'll do it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That was a yeah. self uh... he, he He held his nose and just dunked himself. And came back up and said, I've got the spirit now. That's funny. That's pretty good, though. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. You know, there'd be some people say, oh, we got to do it again. You know, because. No, what I was going to bring up when uh, y'all were kind enough to ask me to speak at Price Fair Road, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, beginning in Matthew chapter 16, you get over to John, and John said, Jesus is talking. He said, now's the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Of course, what he was fixing to do. But when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. What's interesting is when you get over to the end of the book of John <clears throat> and John himself being participants, after they saw the empty tomb, John was there with Peter. Remember? Yep. And down at the bottom, at verse 9 says, they finally the other disciple <clears throat> who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. He said, uh-oh. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead all the way to them standing in the tomb, looking in there, saying they still did not grasp what Jesus said over in Matthew. Look, here's what's going to happen. Yep. That they, when he announced what he was going to do, they just looked to him and looked at everybody else, and Peter said, no. Yeah. They, 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 they still didn't get it until they saw the tomb empty. Then they said, oh, that's what he kept saying. We, I mean... Even if you heard what I told you, God said, you wouldn't believe it. Well, I told, <clears throat> let's take a break. So, Jace, you uh, just got back from Greece. I have a rule 
when I leave the United States of America, I will not eat beef anywhere in another country, especially in Europe. That's just my rule. Now, that may well, be, I may be the arrogant American, but that's my general rule. I will answer with the one word that I learned from the Greek language. <laughs> Are you ready for I'm it? I'm ready for it. Bravo. <laughs> so you're with me. Unfortunately, what I found out from one of our sponsors, Good Ranchers, is that 80% of the grass-fed beef sold in the United States is imported for overseas, from overseas. All this time, I've been making my big stand about not eating beef, and uh, apparently a lot of beef from other countries comes here. So one of the things we like about GoodRanchers.com is their product is 100% American. You buy your chicken, you buy your steak. Uh, they call it better than organic chicken, uh, which is really good. Uh, it comes right to your door, saves you money. You can get on a regular rotation where they send you stuff. You go to GoodRanchers.com, place a one-time order, or you can subscribe today and save 20% on each box of their mouth-watering meals. Subscribing brings the cost down to less than $5 a meal. So you get an additional $20 off free express shipping if you go to GoodRanchers.com slash or use the code Phil at checkout. That's goodranchers.com slash Phil. There's also a holiday shopping alert. They suggest that you order early to make sure you avoid any delay shipping. So get that order in today. I told the church yesterday, Dad, that you were you were up on the on that date, on November 7th, and what you were going to be preaching. And I said, you've been kind of trying it out on us on the podcast. But when I said it, um, everybody clapped. And cheered, so they're they're excited about you being back. That's at, a good sign if you get a standing old before you get there. <laughs> That's right. That means they want to hear from you, which is good. Yeah. So we're in uh, we're in Matthew fourteen. Uh, we didn't do much, Jace, while you were uh, in terms of our Matthew text. We Shocker! Had, and so y'all were blaming me this whole time for. Well, we had a we, we figured since you're such a storyteller, we wouldn't have your storytelling ability. So we had to like cram a lot of guests on here to try to. Fill yeah. your shoes. So we had uh, we had Nurse Ma'am, we had Stone, we had Martin and Godwin. You know Martin, uh, which by the way he threw you and I under the bus apparently mm-hmm. on the on the Kitty podcast comments. But anyway, he who pop- said that? He you said it, but oh, the, I did. You said it, and apparently they. I don't remember you saying it about them, oh, but they boy. said you said it about this. So they took a whole podcast well, to throw you and me under the, the bus. Well, I might have hurt <clears> their feelings. Yeah, that's what yeah. it sounded like. And then I was like, what did I have to do with it? And they said, oh, no. They said, you said you led him right into it. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had them on here. We had Mom and, and Lisa as well. But we're in John, I mean, not John, Matthew 14. And we we kind of shifted into this idea of kind of fortifying the faith of believers. And it starts with finding out what happened to John the Baptist. Yeah, He lost his head. And then Jesus has a couple of, couple of really big miracles here that are kind of I, you know, I always thought aimed more at the disciples. I always thought the feeding of the 5,000 was as much about convincing them of who he was as much as it was the crowd that he fed. But anyway, so we talked about that one. And so we left off. We got to the point where he's uh, he's going to walk on the water. Yeah. In well, 1422. I've always, it stood out to me that in John's account of this, you know, after he fed the 5,000 in chapter 6 and verse 15 of John, this is in between feeding and the and Jesus walking on the water. It said, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Hmm. And that stood out to me because they... They were struggling with the idea of being an earthly king, yep. which is what Satan tempted him to become, and to be an eternal king. Yep. That's why when you read verses— and if you could feed your army miraculously, who could ever defeat you? You know, Forget about supply lines and all, you know, all the things about warfare. If your king could miraculously feed you fish and chips you know, every time right. you got hungry. Well, you remember the verse in uh, 1 Timothy 6— where it talked about Jesus made the good confession before Pilate, and they had this dialogue. He's like, so you're a king. Huh? I mean, there, there there, was always this, this prophecy that this kingdom would be established that would be an eternal kingdom, Right. which the fact that it's eternal would be in contrast to being an earthly kingdom. You know, Daniel said right. that these earthly kingdoms rise up. 
But it was just hard for them to wrap their head around anything other than an earthly kingdom destroying all these other kingdoms. But isn't it interesting? Mm. You're right. That everything we've studied up until this point, of course, we also studied the book of John. Like, it seems so clear to me by what he was saying. That's what he meant. But the people in the moment did not get it. (laughs) I mean, including the disciples. But it's like when I told you the story about me being in Greece and they saying, well, you're, you're a refugee too. Well, one of the things I said that I've said many times that didn't seem profound here in America, but was profound to them was I made an illustration in my sermon and I didn't really prepare to do it. It just came out. You know, I had no notes. I just was going to introduce Jesus. But one thing I said is I said, you can recognize who's, who's king by the manner of which they operate. And I said, the evil one, and I quoted those verses, he's been a murderer from the beginning. Uh, you know, Jesus came to destroy him who had the power of death. I said, the evil one has been taking people out since his creation. I mean, that's his mode of operati, you know, yeah. he, he, he'll he kill you. And I you even see that in, I think, abortion and just the murder of yeah. innocent life. Sure. So these radical groups, well, how are they trying to take power in our world? By killing people. That That is the way they operate. Mm-hmm. So it, it should make you pause and say, well, wait a minute, where Jesus is about life, everything he's about. It's, it's bringing life and, right. he, and eventually eternal life. And so, uh, well, that had a profound impact on them because yeah. they're coming from cultures where they're being threatened, you know, to be murdered if they don't comply. Right. It, it's either you're going to comply or, or we'll kill you. That's right. And so here or, I am. Or cut part of your body about, off or yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm about Jesus is life. These people are standing up and clapping, you know, because yeah. they're like, we want yeah. to live. And I think that's the difference in the earthly kingdom that, that is established where we just, we have the biggest stick and the, or the biggest military or we're the greatest threat. And that's how we're going to take control, which is how every other earthly kingdom yep. took its pedestal. Versus here's Jesus in a surrendering, humbling spirit, helping people because he's going to bring life. And ultimately, when he was resurrected, well, then it made sense. Right. Because they're like, this is greater than being powerful enough to to kill people. I I ran into this little caveat. Y'all can do with it what you will. But it's, it's pretty interesting that... It's fact that when a human body dies, Al, the the rotting process begins pretty well immediately. Would you agree? Yep. You die and and you rot. Yep. When when Paul that that over well, you scoffers wondering, Paris, what I'm gonna do something in your days that you would never believe, <clears throat> even if someone told you. So when the Apostle Paul is telling that in Acts chapter uh, 13, you're looking at someone walking on water and performing all these miracles. Jesus himself is a miracle. No sex involved, and you get a human being coming out of somebody. You're like, whoa, here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers Going through the Old Testament, Jesus is coming. He has fulfilled for us. We're here to see it. Their children by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second Psalm, you're my son, today I become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead, never to decay, is stated in these words. I'll give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. Now it's stated elsewhere, so it, so it is. You will not let your holy one see decay. For when David had served God's purpose, <clears throat> he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers. His body decayed. <clears throat> but the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. 
it's just an interesting point that <clears throat> it was miraculous enough that he beat death. On top of that, when this particular body died and they killed him and he gave up his life, took his last breath, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. That body just lies there, Al, but it doesn't rot or smell. It's just there. So the only thing I can think of, it was just God showing us, there's nothing I can't do. Mm-hmm. Nothing. That's true. It's amazing that that's actually brought out when the Apostle Paul is telling this much. This is a, this is a doozy of a story. <clears throat> but he said, even if, I, even if we tell you, you may not believe it. To this day, Al, most people don't. Which is, uh, let's take another break. So, Dad, one of the conversations you and I enjoyed was when uh, Dr. McQuillan uh, and her husband, who own Omega XL, came down a few months back. We had a great time with them, uh, visited, and they, you know, I, they are really committed to helping people that are in pain and chronic yeah. pain. I mean, they they really have done a great job with their company. They deal with inflammation, uh, which is really what causes all your aches and pains and issues. They got thirty five years of clinical research into Omega XL to really help you deal with that. And uh, they farm these mussels that they use in New Zealand. It's an incredible process it takes to get it there. It takes a lot of work to be able to get the product to us. So uh, really worth checking out. Dad and I both are are very high on this product. You go to OmegaXL.com slash fill, and you're going to buy one bottle, get a second bottle for free. So that's going to give you a two-month supply, uh, which is about when you really feel it kicking in. OmegaXL.com slash fill, or you can call them at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888 and get to work on that inflammation. Which is curious. I wonder if when he raised Lazarus in John 11, because you remember Martha that point came up. Martha said, he's, oh, no, don't, don't roll the stone. He's going to smell bad. That's right. So I wonder if because Jesus already knew what he was going to do, if he had started decaying or not. Maybe he didn't either. Because he knew he was going to raise it. That's my point. Because I thought <laughs> I of Lazarus, yeah. it became of a somewhat of an issue. Look, he's yeah. Martha sh- said, "Oh, he's going to smell terrible." Well, what that. what I'm what I'm saying basically, Jesus said, "I got this." Is the disciples were having to go through this process of realizing that that he's an eternal king, and this is not about some kind of earthly power. Because you remember in Matthew eight, that I mean, was my point. Uh, uh, because you made that point. Yeah, yeah. A, a similar thing had occurred. Remember when they was in the storm, and he said, "You have little faith." Eight twenty six. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was calm. So he had already yeah. shown them once. Well, and and then when you think about him turning the water to wine, his first miracle. I mean, they weren't putting two and two together here. If you no. can turn water into wine, you could also walk on it. That, uh, that's irrelevant. You you could actually turn it. You could have turned the water into a stone. Yeah. It's like once you do it, of course, then he, then he shushed the wind. So it's like he just fed 5,000 with a couple fish and, some lo- three or four loaves of bread. For and- a body to die and not begin to rot is a miraculous thing. Well, so Even my, a, my, but my point is, Phil, I think in each of these instances, because I'm presenting a point, you're like, well, how come they didn't get it? Because they kept applying this to earthly measures. So this means we're going to take over the world here. That That's what they were missing and how come they just didn't say, oh, this is bigger than this earth? Yeah. yeah. So so that's why when he said, I think, I mean, you want a three-point sermon with, with only, I guess, two, five, eight words. When he saw the disciples in, in Matthew 14 here and walking on the lake, they were terrified, thinking it's a ghost. And if you go back to Matthew 8, Remember, they asked after the storm died, they said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey? Well, now they've evolved a little bit. Now they're like, well, it's it must ghost. be a ghost. For, so we're like, 
What kind of man is this? Oh, well, it must be a ghost. It can't be him. <laughs> That's impossible. You can't walk on the water. I mean, maybe you could turn it to wine, but walking on it? No. Nah, You've said it's it. It's got to be a guy. All these impossibilities <laughs> keep adding up to possibilities. So. Well, right. So then he says this, which is the, the eight-word, three-point sermon. He says, take courage, or you know, one version says, cheer up. It is I, don't be afraid. Hmm. But you just think about what knowing Jesus means to our life that's a universal three-point sermon to your life. Knowing Jesus, it is I. Knowing Jesus is the Son of God means you would cheer up and you wouldn't be afraid. And you'd be courageous. You'd be courageous. I mean, it would, you know, I mean, it's the reason you, you and Missy got on a plane and flew halfway around the world. Exactly. Which you, at first I thought this could be dangerous. But I thought, well, take courage because I know Jesus is the Son of God. And I'm the only reason I'm going over here is to share him right. in countries that needs it more, more than this country. I mean, when you're walking around a believer in Jesus and they'll shoot you dead if you publicly proclaim that. I want to help those people. I've had a lot of people ask me. I go to Africa or someplace, and they're like, "Why? Why would you go there? What if so, what if something happened to you? What if you died? What if you got Ebola? All these questions through the years." And I always say, "Well, then I would go out doing the thing I love, going somewhere and sharing Jesus." I mean, like, plus, look, there's, there's no downside to me. No, there's something know? humbling about because, like, when you mention Iran, we don't. I don't have a favorable impression because we've been in conflict with them for at forty all time, years. You yeah. know. But when I met people who had surrendered to Jesus, who were from Iran, that went away. Oh, they yeah. were just people. That's right. Yep. They were family to me. Mm-hmm. They loved Jesus. They seemed no different from Americans who trust in Jesus. In fact, I'm me. sure you viewed them as some of the most courageous people on the planet because they're willing to put their lives at risk to well, share with it, yeah. their people. And all these verses about leaving your family and I didn't come to bring peace and one of that we can't understand that, but they can. That's right. Because you are blackballed. I oh, mean, if yeah. you do this, yeah. not only does the family <clears throat> disown you, they they'll put out a hit to take you out. Yeah. Because of it. Yeah, and plus, just think about it. If you were totally tied to everybody back home, you couldn't really be who you were supposed to be because you'd be worried about them all the time. Yeah. You know, your cousin, your sister, whatever. You know. But also think in this scenario, it also teaches us that God doesn't necessarily take away the struggles, the the fears, or suffering. Because in each of these instances, he moves in while this is going on, and then it's up to you to recognize him as the person you're going to put your faith and trust of in while this is going on. I mean, why even allow this to happen? Because in these moments, do you realize the need for something greater? But, but so in response to that, this is interesting, Jace, as I love your three-point sermon in the eight words. Peter basically does what had just been done to Jesus. Remember in all that stuff he just dealt with with the Pharisees, and then mm-hmm. at the end of it, they say, well, show us a sign. I mean, they had already said he was from the devil. They had said all these, you, you, you're a lawbreaker, you break the Sabbath. And so, so Peter says, he says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then Peter says, if it's you... Which sounds like what the evil one said in the uh, temptation of Ex- Jesus. Exactly. If it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Which is really interesting. That let me have some of that action. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I just found that fascinating. That Peter, that would be his way to prove that he really was. He was like, let me, let me see. By the way, he didn't get too far. <laughs> no, he didn't. He got down out of the boat. He walked on the water. So he did experience it. He did it. But then he doubted. But then he doubted. And then it says he... I think you need to stay away from ifs and doubts. That's right. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he said, Lord, save me. Yep. So he he was watching Jesus and he's walking. He's like, I'm really doing this. And then he looked around at his setting and thought, oh boy. I mean, but how many yeah. times has that happened? I've been in situations where I was super focused. You're going to walk on water. You got to be a little bit more all in than Peter was. <laughs> well, he should, I think he should you just ran to him. You know? It's, it's like, like me and Jay, when we were on vacation, we were at the 
the Mobile Bay, and we were literally every time we were we were drifting over this point, we were catching a a thirty five pound, thirty to forty pound red. Yep. But the wind started blowing, and the swells got so big. And I was trying to deny that because every time we went by, man, we're catching a 35-pound red. I was like, no, nah, we'll be all right. I mean, we're in Jesus here. <laughs> but about that third pass, I think Jay said, well, I think Jesus doesn't want us to be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know what? You're right. <laughs> there is a point at which it made me think when he's yeah. – because I started looking. I mean, we'd go so far up and so far down, I was like – we're going to die out here <laughs> catching these redfish. That's right. And you didn't, you weren't in quite in a boat to be pulling off with you. Doubt started rising <laughs> my mind because I thought, I'm going to stand before God and say, look, I believed, and but I just didn't want to be <laughs> stupid. He's like, yeah, that was dumb. And I had to catch one more red. Let's take another break. By the way, he said, you of little faith, after he pulled Peter up, he said, uh, why did you doubt? After Jesus to Peter, Peter like, oh, I thought I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I find interesting is, you just think about the dynamics of it. Jesus was walking on the water himself because he could. But not only that, his power allowed Peter to walk on it, and yet it was based on Peter believing he could do it. I mean, when you think about that, that's a mind bender. Because Peter wasn't controlling the molecules in the water to make it where you wouldn't sink. Jesus was doing that. But he was doing it based on the fact of Peter thinking he could do it. That's right. So think about that. That's a, that's a mind bender. That shows you that our thoughts and our faith affect sometimes how our world around us functions. He I wasn't mean, that was thinking, pretty I can only do this through you. He that's was right. Like, oh, well, if you can, I can. Exactly. Or I have the, somehow the power here. And for the first it. few steps, he really believed he could do it. I think it's like working on burning coals. They do the same thing. Right. They're like, it's just mind over matter. It's mind over matter. It's mind over matter. He wasn't thinking, oh, I'm with a supernatural being. He's like, it's mind over matter. Oh, no, I see the wind. Maybe it's matter over mind. <laughs> you know, I just saw a video this last week. I don't know if I've ever seen it. It was, a, it was some kind of Chinese paramilitary group. And they're all, they just had their camo pants on and they're all pretty buff guys. And they're just breaking stuff over them, like concrete pieces. And, and, and then they're jumping on the guy's stomach, breaking the kind of The whole video was stuff being broken over these men and they're just jumping around, you know. And I guess it was like a recruiting video or something for the Chinese military. But I thought to myself, I said, boy, you I couldn't do one one concrete deal across my back. I'm out. You know, I'm done. But outside of Jesus, that works every time but once. <laughs> then you get a punctured lung, right. ruptured heart, and well, you die. That's right. So I thought I was amazed at what they were doing, but I thought this has to have a shelf life at some point because you start, you know, you keep breaking concrete pieces over people, and yeah, it, you know, it's it, just a matter. Of by the way, he ends that whole story <laughs> up by saying, uh, when the men that they that recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to get the, to to let the sick just just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Mm. I mean, the whole pack. But see, like. But you see, Phil, at first I read that and thought that was a positive, and I almost think it's a negative. They're still thinking, what can he do for me now yep. here on earth? That's right. Yep. They're still missing the point that so so. The what kicker if he, is he did it, but but it didn't change most of his mind. It, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people believe in Jesus, but they don't do it in order for their life. They don't want to live the life. Right. They're like, I'll give you my mental assent that, okay, you're there and you have some power. Makes sense when you look at creation. But I'm not going to change my life over this. Yeah. Not not in my day-to-day. And so that's why you find people trying to find a temporary solution to an illness. What's that going to do long-term? Exactly. You're still, at some point, you will die. About a month ago, I made a decision. Uh, the local doctor said, well, 
I had an ailment. He gave me some pills. I took them for a month. But when I got down to the last pill in the thing, before you get another bottle, I just thought about it. I said, what am I doing taking these uh, pills from a doctor when the one I follow walks on water and will raise me from the dead? I took that last pill. Instead of ingesting it, I throwed the container and the pill <laughs> in the trash. And I, said, I said, you know what? Here's the deal. Lord, I'm all in. I'm 75 years old. I'm not getting any younger here on the earth. If you want to take me at any time, go ahead and take me because I'm. I, I know I'm leaving anyway. Yep. I said, forget this doctor stuff. You are. I think you are. Overall, my- that's a good way to think. But it could be like me and Jay on the swells. At some point, you know, you have to just. You have to think: Is this dumb, or because I mean, even Jesus said. He acknowledged doctors when he said it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Yep. So that's what mom but, says. But but it is interesting, Dad. You do have to have a value on your whole life, and you have to say at some point, okay. I thought about our uncle Jim. You know, he's he's in pretty bad shape. He's eighty two. You yep. know, and John called me about it, and you know, John's the youngest in the family. He's taking care of, it, but he was like, man, so many decisions to make. I said, John, your dad's eighty two. He's lived them. He he got past the you know Moses said in Psalm ninety, yeah. he's past the point where most That's people right. get. So I was like, look, you're not going to make a bad decision or wrong decision. No, he's right. at the end of his life, and you're viewing everything through a through a eternal lens. So That's I, right. I, I like that about where you're at. Dad. I mean, you're, what you're saying is if if you go tomorrow, you've had a pretty full life, seventy five. You know, I mean, well, some it. people, you know, you got this these groups of people who won't seek any medical right they say it's know, against and, god and guess what they do they die yeah i mean it's a just lot of young, younger yeah, than yeah they die yeah and you know what they made their decision this free country go for it but you have to i think you know there's there's common sense that applies here but the overall riding factor is that jesus walks on water and he raises the dead that's well it. and i it, mean that has to be top that priority. has to be your overarch let's take a that's, break where i was when i went I said, I'm going with you, Lord. Because Let's go. You, because you knew the medicine made you feel terrible. That's right. And at some point in life, you have to. It's like if you find out you get cancer. You look at the cancer treatment, and you're like, okay, you do, do I want to fight this to get me a little more time? Or do I want to say, you know, people make that decision every day. I think I'll just trust in God look, and take have, my chances. I've yeah. told about this kid before. He's not a kid anymore. He's in his 20s. He has some rare, you know, bone disease and they gave him his life expectancy of about seven years old, and he's now around 20. I don't know his exact age. He's the longest living human with this condition. But he had a bout here recently, and, uh, he, I mean, the man's ready to go. I mean, he, he's like, hey, whatever. And every time it, it like, seems to be the end, he just he keeps coming, coming back, you know. But his attitude... Everyone else kind of crumbles around him because they're trying to help him and pursue the from a medical stance. But he's like, man, I'm the longest living person. Cause, and he believes this because God healed him and uses his life. He's such an inspiration to right. him, which is why I'm friends with him. I'm like, I need this guy, you know, in my life. He's, he's, he's just, what a perspective. He's ready to go, and he makes the mo- he makes the most of every opportunity. You remember back when we were doing the show, <clears throat> the very first time as a family, uh, we had make a wish. They would come, well, maybe four times a year, and they would bring kids. Mm-hmm. The show was popular. Kids love the show, and I'll never forget the first time. We didn't really know what to expect, and they brought the first group of kids in, their parents, and it was such a sad situation because these were terminal kids with terminal illnesses, and we were all like about to just start crying because it mm-hmm. was so sad to us to watch yeah. this. And then I'll never forget after we spent time with them and we really tried to not be sad, we prayed over them. Dad usually had a prayer. When when all those kids and their parents left, I remember us having a conversation that look, we're gonna be doing this several times a year. We have to they come here because our show is funny, they love us, they're so excited to get to meet it. They're not thinking they're fizzing to die. They're yeah. thinking I'm getting to meet the cast from Duck Dynasty. So we had a conversation. We all said from this point forward. We're going to make this the most upbeat, fun time, and we're going to 
you know, we're going to treat these kids that way because that's what they came for. Plus, Not for I've us to be sad and crying, you know. Yeah. But that was hard, wasn't it? I mean, well, it was, I have seen a lot of them and you too that they said was going to pass on them, but they well, didn't. They did. Some do. That's, that's right. why I went inside the first time, you know, he had this kid. The first, I mean, it was one of the first few times. They had this kid come in there and they're like, look, he's literally only has a few days to right. live. He comes in there inside, just like pushes him, you know, and like tickles him. And everybody just went, <gasps> I was thinking, what are you doing, Si? And that kid busted out laughing. Because he expected that. Well, himself. right. And he was like, I thought, okay, so that was funny, but never do that again. <laughs> of course, he, he does, but you're right. You know, it's, it's well, a it dismal is. situation, and that laughter that's getting our that job kid, was to bring joy. <clears throat> and inside from that, after that first meeting forward, he would wear a boa or something crazy yeah. always because they expected crazy Uncle Side, and that's what he yeah. was to. Him. So I just, I mean, looking back on it, those were special because a lot of those kids have gone on to be with the Lord, yeah. but we're going to see him again. But sometimes yep. you just have to bring joy in a moment. I, I well, do want you to mention that before we leave this text, because I don't want to skip verse 32 and 33. Well, I, I was fixed to bring Good, that up. Good, because that, that, that was the last worship. I uh, mean, to me, look, it's the other two accounts, they don't have the, it kind of ends in bewilderment. Right. But in Matthew's account, when they, those who were in the boat, they worshiped him. Yeah. And it's amazing to me how worship comes up in a boat, we're nowhere near a church building. Yep. We're not in a corporate setting, as people say, which I cannot stand that phrase. <laughs> yep. I mean, we worship God. You know, our, our life you is like transformed. You don't like corporate worship. Type. No, I cannot stand it. Now, you can worship God outside the building however you want to, but when we come into a corporate setting, we're going to do it one way. And you're like, which way is that? Ours, whatever that may mean. You'll hear this was a spontaneous reaction of worship saying or singing truly you are the son of God, which I think in those three statements of how we view God, you go from Matthew eight to here, look, they have, what kind of man is this? They were first just trying to figure out what kind of human is this? Right. Then, well, it must be a ghost. You see this process. And now all of a sudden in worship, after they realize they declare, no, he's the son of God. Yeah. And I think that's a process we all have to, to journey in our faith and know it coming to know Jesus is, is acknowledging, yes, he's a man so we can relate and put ourselves in that situation. But at some point you got to say, you know what? He is the son of God. He did come to earth. He is who he said he was. And it should trigger a spontaneous lifestyle of, of worship. Yep. Yeah. No, it's great a great point. It's a great point. And, and now what I love about it is that, Worship really is just recognizing who Jesus is. I mean, yeah. that's what worship is. You know, whether we're singing or praying or just having a conversation or doing a podcast, I mean, that's what happens when you worship, you acknowledge who God is. Well, when I was reading this, I wrote this down. Knowing Jesus produces courage, of course, from that one statement, assurance of who he is, confidence, joy, perseverance, because they didn't enjoy going through the storm earlier or even the process now with, with the storm, but it produces perseverance and ultimately worship. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's just so interesting that this comes up in this setting. Yeah, I know it is weird. And that happens, that happens a few times. Well, even right before he was led to be crucified, you remember it says, uh, Jesus came together with his disciples and they sang a hymn. Yeah. And I always thought, wow, what a moment. They probably just sang a song that they knew, and it didn't really impact the disciples, but Jesus knew, you're, you're going to remember this song later. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because... <laughs> After I die, I'm buried and raised. Don't yep. you know? You know how you hear a song? It's like, you know, our uh, your dad, our grandpa, his favorite song was, a, and he would lead it all the time, and it was, uh, you never mentioned him to me. I mean, this was like a hundred-year-old song. <laughs> And I, I never, never, oh, I never, like when he led that, I was like, this is the old fogiest song I have ever heard in my life. But after he died, I heard the song one time and it meant way more to me that's then right. because then I thought about his life and then I thought about the actual words. Well, I never thought about the words, but I look at our family and we tend to speak Jesus first 
in situations with, with people that we encounter, well, it's a direct contrast in a good way of that song. That's He's right. like, you don't want to be the person that never mentioned Jesus to a person who doesn't know him. Well, what was interesting was with, with Granny and Paul is that when Dad became a Christian, they moved in next door to us. And so all of your mentoring and discipleship years, they were right there. Oh, yeah. And so, of course, and Jason and I and Willie were growing up as a part of that. So I think about that song. Granny used to sing it. She would be cooking, you know, and she would sing that song, that same song. I can, I just about know all the words to it just from yeah, so many too. years of here. But yesterday, Jace, you were in the <clears throat> instrumental side on the acapella side where I was. Uh, Perky, who's another one of our buddies who listens to the podcast, he led a new, a new song to me. Maybe he's done it before, but it was called A New Wine. And it was, I mean, it's just one of those songs that sticks with you. And it was the same thing. It was the words, because it talks, I never thought about this. You can't make wine, any wine, but new wine for sure, without pressing the grapes, without crushing. And so the song talks about that, about how then, how we're crushed and pressed and then remade in the image of Christ. It was a, it was a fantastic song. And I told yeah. Perky yesterday, I was texting him, I said, man, that song. And then we're waiting to baptize this guy. And so they sang it several times while we had the little interim there waiting on the guy to you know get ready to be baptized. And I was like, what a what a beautiful thing. My whole thing to think about, that's what new wine is. It's yep. hard-pressed, exactly. but it's made into something great. Well, I wanted to say something as we close. We don't do this very often, but going back to the parable of sower, you know, being part of the process, I mean, we may have some people out there listening who's been heart number one, mm-hmm. has no desire to do this. But you got to remember, the first thing that has to happen when we read these stories, especially this about seeing Jesus as the Son of God walking on the water, you got to get in a boat. Mm. It's never going to, something magical is not going to happen in your life where all of a sudden, you know, somebody taps you on the shoulder, like, I mean, you know, something supernatural. At some point, you got to say, I'm going to give this a try and, and seek. This is for people who are seeking God. So get in the boat and see where it leads in Jesus. That's a great point. And to your questions, if you're not sure who Jesus is, or if you think it's just some supernatural thing you can't understand, remember he is the son of God and he died for you. So it's a good time to get on board. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.